All right, welcome back. Um, for the viewers at home, for the TV audience, uh, I changed the mic levels uh, on the Blue Yeti, and hopefully it's going to be better than before, uh, whereas before people had to turn it up, you might want to turn it down, uh, but we'll see what happens, and hopefully this will work. Uh, today is Wednesday, December 16, uh, the year of our Lord, as uh, David Knight rightly says, and I want to conclude the series on golden rule and moral basis. <clears throat> so we've gone extensively in the last two weeks about into the variations, the three different variations of the golden rule, uh, affirmative, uh, prohibitive, and empathetic. And so the comment is, do unto others as you wish them to do unto you. And the negative or prohibitive, it's not really negative, but it's restraint-oriented, and it's probably much closer to the original, is don't do unto others as you wouldn't have them do to you. And the empathetic is sort of um, realize that, that they're not much different than you. And um, they feel as you feel, and ultimately they want what you want. And Gautama did speak on that one. So I think we've gone through um, examples in world religions and historical or ancient traditions exhaustively, as well as Nietzsche and Kant and their criticisms, which are reasonable. Um, I want to finish on the Wikipedia page on Golden Rule uh, a quote from Adam Lee, not somebody I know, but um, it's in the section called humanist humanism so it is humanism or humanist perspectives on the golden rule uh, and then i want to get into moral basis i mean why should we follow the golden rule it's a good rule it's critical for uh, positive polarization it's critical for spiritual path for nearly all of us uh, there's no rightful seven chakra transformation without a moral ethical basis which is really do no harm which is really ahimsa in sanskrit which is the basis of um, practice in buddhism and hinduism and christianity and really all religions at least as in their formal their original form so in buddhism you have panchashila or dasasila the the moral codes and the monks rules and the ethical guidelines Sila being virtue, ethics, morality. In Hinduism, the Vedanta, you have Yama Niyama, what to do, what not to do. In Christianity, we have extensive teachings. And so from a humanist perspective, Adam Lee, in something called a Decalogue, or Ten Commandments for the Modern World, wrote, and this will conclude the page, Do not do unto others, or do not do to others, what you would not want them to do to you is the single greatest, simplest, and most important moral axiom humanity has ever invented, or I'd say realized, one which reappears in the writings of almost every culture and religion throughout history, the one we know as the Golden Rule. Moral directives do not need to be complex or obscure to be worthwhile, and in fact, it's precisely this rule simplicity which makes it great. It's easy to come up with, easy to understand, easy to apply, and these three things are the hallmarks of strong and healthy moral system. So he believes. Easy to determine and understand and apply. 
the idea behind it is readily graspable. Before performing an action which might harm another person, and that's the negative form, meaning don't do to others, try to imagine yourself in their position and consider whether you would want to be the recipient of that action. If you would not want to be in such a position, the other person probably would not want it either, and so you should not do it. It's a basic and fundamental human trait of empathy, meaning it does indeed come out of empathy, the ability to vicariously experience how another is feeling that makes this possible, and it is the principle of empathy by which we should live our lives. And so the empathetic form is the basis of both the affirmative and the prohibitive forms, meaning I don't do and I do do because um, I do feel and know, by my feeling I know, that we're not so different. And what hurts you is akin to what might hurt me, and hurting you does hurt me in some way, very keenly, strongly, clearly now, or even philosophically in the sense of all is one and we're all interpenetrated, but certainly karmically. (laughs) Doing harm brings harm. If you want happiness, give happiness. If you want wealth, give wisely. If you want um, uh, many friends and, and loved ones, be friendly and loving. And this is very important on the other side, by the way. And we see that in No Solar, which is, it ain't good to die with many enemies, and it ain't good to die with no friends, and it ain't good to die with no one who loves you, because the negatives don't love you, and if you play negative, you will die with no loved ones who will sponsor or vouchsafe for or pray for or help you metaphysically on the other side. You really will be alone. You think you're you think you're unwell? Somebody asked me, what about the punishment for those on the negative path? Do they ever get punished? And I my you know, I wondered about that too. My sense is that uh, being on the negative the the, the very experienced mentally, emotionally, spiritually, emotional, mental, spiritual, the very experience of being on the negative path is the comeuppance and the punishment for being on the negative path. Meaning there's no happiness, there's no peace, there's no joy, there's no bliss, there's no deep well-being for those who continue blocking heart chakra. There's no sukkah when green ray is heavily blocked. None. And even though all sukkah is sukkah dukkha, and there's some, you know, always a, a sour taste <laughs> to experience because it's impermanent and empty. Anishanata. Still, uh, those on the negative path um, have nothing but um, a momentary thrill of defeating their, their enemies and being victorious. And then it's back to, back to the grind of... Um, fighting and conniving and strategizing and manipulating to get more power and control. This is a miserable way to live. And after they die, they're generally in more misery because no one loves them. They have so many hate, so many enemies. They're making hundreds of millions of enemies these days, you know. Hundreds of millions of enemies some of you people are making. It's very, very bad for you. So... But the question of, of moral, the golden rule, we, I think we understand it all pretty well now. Um, and I think it's very interesting for me to go through the, the aspects of um, its formation or its variation. But why? Why should I um, have empathy? 
or why should I care? Now, for us, it may be instinctive and having some taste of non-duality or unity, um, some experience from heart and and spirit, you know, green ray, indigo, the 246 line, activation of the 246 line inevitably gives us empathy because um, we bring four to two and we bring six to four. We bring love to the sense of self and then we bring love or green ray to the awareness of other, other self, and then there's a spiritualization uh, of that uh, open-hearted, um, basic empathetic uh, sensitivity. And, and the positive path is absolutely a path of increasing sensitivity. People have asked me, I think I'm saying, clients may say, I think I'm too sensitive. And the old response is, um, yes, you're not sensitive enough. Uh, sensitive what? Sensitive to wisdom. <laughs> sensitive to meaning and purpose. Uh, sensitive to the lessons you may be learning here. Sensitive to the value of challenging catalyst. Sensitive to who you really are higher self, your true being, true nature. These are realities to be sensitive to also, not just the emotional. And um, seven-dimensional sensitivity. <laughs> Seven dimen- is, is uh, you know, on the way to um, omniscience. Absolutely. So uh, Don asks Ra, and here we have um, Law of One, uh, Session 19, Question 17, or Law of One search results for the word picnic, picnic. And um, Don was asking, why in the, well, you know, he says, can you tell me what bias creates their momentum or anyone's momentum toward the chosen path of service to self? Meaning, why do negatives go negative? Why do souls, this is going to help us understand um, the emergence of so many negatives at this time in human history. Um, it really is true, it seems to me, that uh, many of these human leaders that are um, appearing with their contemptible ways um, are really um, serves the self at base of beingness. They really are. Wow. Hmm. The return of the Martians and the Maldek leaders. Uh, this is their time. This is our time. And, and yeah, fine. You will have a time. And this was known... 2,000 years ago, Yeshua talked about that. It's part of Logoic plan that the negatives have a certain small window um, where they're not not greatly opposed on the physical plane. Um, the sandbox is still watched over by the Guardians and the Confederation and the Council and the Angels and all sorts of massive, mighty, positive, loving spiritual beings. Massive, mighty, loving spiritual beings or watching this process and guiding it and guarding. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more negativity in play than we want. But many of them really are service to self at base of beingness, meaning they're just doing their thing. Um, that's, you know, that's how Mars and Maldek came to be, uh, or came to their end, that you really did have a core nucleus, I think, seems to me, of souls who are rightly on the negative path. So then Don was asking, why is it? What, what, what leads, what's the bias? In meaning, why is it that some souls don't want empathy and reject the golden rule? And this is, again, the, the question of moral basis. Why should I be moral? Why should I be on the positive path? And, and ultimately, raw and sixth density, 
was sort of saying, well, that's just the way it is. <laughs> or in a, in a universe of free will, um, preference is fashioned naturally. Preference evolves. Now, they didn't say the issue of base of beingness, meaning that the souls that we say are positive, you know, negative at base of beingness, uh, are coming out of the, are, are in a sense, emanation bodies. In Tibetan Buddhism, there's some phrase, some teaching about emanation body, which is that a great being master can project um, his consciousness into bodies, very much akin to what higher self does, working with mind-body-spirit complex. And so the emanation bodies, or there we go, so the, the chainsaw day, that's just the way it goes. One of the, one of the various most ugly sounds devised by Earth humanity, I think, is the chainsaw, along with the jackhammer and the leaf blower. So, we can only speak in metaphor, said Ra. Some love the light, some love the darkness. It is a matter of the unique and infinitely various creator choosing and playing among its experiences as a child upon a picnic. Some enjoy the picnic and find the sun beautiful, the food delicious, the games refreshing, and glow with the joy of creation. Some find the night delicious, their picnic being pain, difficulty, sufferings of others, and the examination of the perversities of nature. These enjoy a different picnic. All these experiences are available. It's the free will of each entity which chooses the form of play, the form of pleasure. Um, but why? <laughs> they really didn't. They, they can't quite say why, for some reason. Uh, one, uh, one approach to answering the question of why, uh, with free will, most entities choose um, the beauty the good and the true and the beautiful. Most entities, 90%, I believe, go on the positive path and are of higher selves positive at base of beingness, and 90, uh, 10% are not. So 90 positive, 10 negative. Uh, why? Well, why did those higher selves that got to sixth density on either positive or negative path, why did they go positive or negative in third density? They had a higher self that was positive, <laughs> basically, or, or negative. Well, yeah, what about the first, the first Atman, uh, Adam, Adamic, Adamic Atman, uh, Atmanic Adam, uh, Atmanic Adam? Uh, well, he was positive too. <laughs> he was probably not, um, the, the evolution was generated, uh, the seven densities were populated um uh, up and down simultaneously with the uh, with the pranavic emission of light from the logos, it seems to me. So you had lower density um, constituents that would evolve uh, from the mineral, you know, from the mineral through the plant and animal to the human and up. And then you had uh, atmonic level beings uh, watching over the thing. And uh, when the first, <laughs> the first, right, the primal. Um, man, human, was evolved, presumably the sixth density group was uh, without polarity, um, had, got, had gotten there from the Logos, not by uh, either path evolving up to sixth density. And so, <laughs> uh, uh, that was obviously an influence 
to go to to be positively oriented. It, I think that the the reality is that unity is, and even under the veil in third density, when the veil was established, most beings came to realize that um, um, that most beings didn't forget that much, and and didn't forget the feeling associated with unity, which is. Uh, when I cause you pain, I feel some pain too. And when you are in happiness, I actually feel some happiness. That's the original way. Without distortion, there is natural empathy. Uh, and then over lifetimes, beings can become more distorted. But ultimately, it's the degree to which beings in third density um, remember or can identify the subtle sense um, of others, um, uh, same as I, the the the, ident- the, the basic sense uh, at the emotional of the reality of unity, that there's self and other self, and the sense of the heart and mind sensitivity to the feeling associated with uh, what's happening to you is happening to me. What I do to you, I'm feeling likewise. Uh, and so when I do what leads you to good feeling, there's likewise in me some good feeling. When I do to you what causes pain, there's a likewise pain in me too. Like the, like the uh, chainsaw. <laughs> this group is really hopeless in some ways, and nobody should forget that. I mean... Some people will keep evolving, no doubt. It's great, wonderful, fine. But the mass is hopeless. And the Logos knows that. It's just uh, an experiment. So, so okay. Um, why some love the sun and some love the dark um, is ultimately associated with some degree to which there's a conscious mind resonance with the deep mind awareness of unity which is the basis of empathy, which is the basis of the golden rule, um, the, the fact of non-duality. Uh, I wanted to look into this further, and um, because I like etymology, uh, I looked into words like, um, uh, I don't know what it was, ethics or moral. I looked into the word morality and just came back to some kind of etymological root like mon more or like more mora which just had to do with sort of manners and customs manners customs associated with more associated with moral right etymological root of the word moral but i found a lot more interesting um going down the line of the word virtue and the first clearly obviously english word virtue traces back to latin word virtus and uh, on that first page, we see ver, vir, man or male, and then tus being abstract noun forming suffix. So, uh, man like, of a man. Man, you see, now I also found at last the political correctness aspects of etymology and wiki, wiktionary. Yes, everybody's political because they're all 3D repeaters <laughs> down here on the ground. They may be intellectual. But they're insufficiently green reactivated. Even the smart, smart ones 
who are etymological experts. And um, there's all sorts of wrangling in the academic community of the etymologists. <laughs> and so they had some issue with the fact that vir, root of virtue, really means man. But man didn't necessarily mean uh, male. But they put it as, they, they were some issue whether the people didn't want to say it as male, so they want to go to human, but that's different. So anyway, the roots as virtus, um, as a noun, virtutus in Latin goes to, or the meanings as manhood, manliness, virility, courage, resoluteness, gallantry, virtue, goodness, excellent merit, worth, character, strength, also of medicine or herbs. <laughs> and Dao uh, De Ching, right? Da, the De, Dao De, Dao De, the De um, was translated by Arthur Whaley as virtue, or, or the way in its virtue. Dao De Ching was translated by Arthur Whaley as the way in its virtue. What's the way, what's the virtue? De. Dao De is the virtue of the way. And in Chinese philosophy, uh, Yi Jing, um, maybe Confucius as well, there's some sense that it can't be great if it's not right. And so greatness, which is very much about six chakra, um, isn't complete without morality or good or rightness. It's not great if it's not right. There's power and force. <laughs> some people talk about it that way. Power includes um, uh, rightness, or includes virtue, or includes uh, heart. There's no, there's no summit, there's no perfection of wisdom without love, there's no perfection or full manifestation of, of divine power, universal, transpersonal, not myself power, body power, the power of God, logoic power, duh. There's none of that without full green ray too. And so that's where we get these, these other meanings as excellence, merit, worth, character. So virtue is also ultimately, you know, as, as ethics or morality, is actually associated with divine power. And, and excellence, it's not excellent if it's against God. <laughs> if it's against the Logos, if it's distorted or dissonant or discordant to the Logos, it ain't excellent. It's um, force. And so there's force and then there's power and there's greatness. And uh, that greatness, really great, um, includes uh, the good and the true and the beautiful and is not against it. And so that's the sense that, that without virtue, there's no excellence. Without, without rightness, there's no greatness. The de of Tao and Tao de is, is um, without distortion. And that's very much six chakra intelligent energy, light, love, love, light, prana, power. And that's, and that's what it means to be a man, which is not a, to be a human, whatever your gender, whatever your genitals. <laughs> genitals are not important. I mean, they're somewhat important, but they're fun. <laughs> they get in fun or they're miserable, depending on conditions. Uh, that's not what a human is, is a, a gender of genitals. Uh, a human is man, and that man root um, ultimately is about mind, 
and it's about a completeness of, of mind which has to include virtue. And only by that whole-mindedness um, uh, zhen, what in Chinese is called zhen, zhen or ren. Uh, zhen is like the word ren, which means man in Chinese, or, you know, R-E-N is one way of transliterating. Zhen is also humanity, humaneness. In, in fact, it was Confucius's main teaching, humaneness, which is what a gentleman is. But that doesn't mean male or, you know, lady and gentleman, right? Ladies and gentlemen. Um, there's no superiority of the gentleman to the lady. <laughs> there's no superiority of the lady to the gentleman. There's no superiority of a great male to a great female. Because the, the male and female is of the body and is not of the soul. Or, you know, the soul, uh, the gender of, of higher self is <laughs> a little bit more subtle. So... There's no problem to say that the root of ver, which is the root of virtue, as vir, um, includes the word man, but it's not male, male-female man, it's man. It's what is a human being, true nature of the human, which is not an animal and not a plant and not a deity either, or, or you know... Um, a deva, or higher dimensional. What what does it mean to be truly human? That's what we're talking about. Truly human is man, and um, it goes a heck of a lot further than than uh, gender and genitals. And when we look at Wiktionary Latin, going back further to the root of the word vir, the etymology of the etymology. This is where some of the, the uh, politic politics seems to have entered the situation. They don't want to attribute a non-Western root. <laughs> they love themselves. That, that's, you know, human arrogance. It's all over the place, really. They love themselves, even though <laughs> they hate themselves. <laughs> it's a stupid, it's a kind of um, uh, vanity, empty vanity, so-called love, which isn't. So they trace vir back to Proto-Italic, Proto-Indo-European, and they can't translate it, they can't root it back to the Sanskrit, which is vira, Mahavira, great Jain teacher at the time of Gautama. Vira as virtue, or as um, virility, power, strength. And um, there's, I, I could just see some reluctance in the uh, Western etymology etymologists community to trace um, these Latin roots back to Sanskrit. But, you know, <laughs> that's prior to uh, Rome or the Latin language. But then there is also, yes, Proto-Italic, which is hypothesized. Proto-Indo-European, the famous PIE, also hypothesized, meaning they're not sure if it really exists. But there is <laughs> no need to hypothesize Sanskrit which was actually 2,000 years before Yeshua, but they really don't want to trace back to Sanskrit, it seems to me. So when you look at vir as the noun, the roots, the etymological roots of the root vir, again, man in the sense of adult male human, okay, it could be used that way, adult, mature, or grown man, brave or courageous man, hero, warrior, that's Mahavira as great hero, the teacher of the Jain, Community, husband and military foot soldier. 
Um, again, they have their own limits, like everyone. Um, and they made a point here saying the sense, quote, human being is rendered by the Latin homo, the sense of male human being by Latin mos, and the sense of adult male human being by the Latin vir, fine, but that all Latin came out um, long, long, long after Sanskrit root, after the Sanskrit root vir, same root. Uh, before the Latin vir, there's the Sanskrit vir, obviously, and we don't need to hypothesize it. <laughs> it's there in the Vedas, a thousand, two thousand years before Yeshua. Now, we can see how it was used for adult male or adult human being male. But actually, going further, it's, um, we get even more. So while, it's, while on the Wiktionary page on vir in Latin calls it only cognate to Sanskrit vira, meaning that it's a similar root, um, actually the Latin came probably right out of the Sanskrit. Then, if we go to the Wiktionary page on the Sanskrit root, Vir. We have all sorts of further hypothesizing from Proto-Indo-Aryan, Vihras. From Proto-Indo-Iranian, Vihras, again. From Proto-Indo-European, Vihros. And then they do all these cognates. So they're <laughs> cognate with all sorts of other languages that came later, like Old Irish, which is a little bit later than uh, Sanskrit. Um... But they um, they have to they don't want to stop with the Sanskrit. <laughs> so there's all this discussion of proto something, proto Indo Aryan, proto Indo Iranian, proto Indo European. They're uh, courteous enough to keep the Indo root meaning Indic meaning Sanskrit. But then they have all sorts of other things, and uh, all of that's hotly debated. But this uh, Sanskrit root vir as a noun, again, uh, boils it down even further. You know, um, 10,000 rivers have a common source. And so the 10,000 things came out of the one. And uh, going back to the one is akin to uh, enjoying the, the in investigation of etymology. And this Sanskrit root, vir, um is boiled down to just a few meanings in, as, as a noun. Man, especially a brave or eminent man, a hero, a chief, like Mahavira, again, the great Jain leader uh, contemporaneous with Gautama. Hero, husband, male child or son, male of an animal, or heroism. So vir, vir, is what they were saying 3,000 years ago. And um, long, live, long live Mr. Jameson, Long Live William Mr. Jameson is a great episode on Twilight Zone from 61. Um, the original series, uh, the first series season, I believe, of Twilight Zone, 1961, Rod Serling. Long Live Mr. Jameson, the root, it seems to me, of Jerome Bixby's movie, The Man from Earth. So if anybody likes The Man from Earth uh, and Immortal, uh, check out the movie... Um, the 25-minute the TV show episode, uh, Long Live Mr. Jameson, or something, Long Live Jameson. Um, very well acted, very touching, very deep, actually. And um, 
for wanderers, it resonates with our awareness of reincarnation and um, having been on Earth for a while um, as a sort of kind of secret that we can't share. Because <laughs> everybody say, oh, you must be crazy. Uh-huh. Right. So, anyway, long live Mr. Jameson, uh, a kind of hero. So, looking at the... Uh, basis then of the Sanskrit root vir, we have hero, man, man, hero, as the root of the word virtue and ethics and virtuous and goodness and morality. Uh, to be moral is to be truly human. To be truly human is courageous and requ is of requires courage and strength. And Yet, one cannot be a true man. One cannot truly be human, whether you're male or female body, um, unless one uh, lives in virtue. And that virtue resonates with divine power. And so, human virtue, as well as we can fulfill it, um, golden rule, <laughs> and uh, harmlessness, and right restraint, and right speech, right action, right livelihood, Avoiding harmful speech, avoiding harmful activity, avoiding harmful um, thought, even. But that doesn't, you know, I, I mean, I think one should be free with oneself, alone, or mentally, emotionally, internally, and not try to stop uh, distorted thought, but to let it um, exhaust itself in an, in an environment of unconditional acceptance in mind, alone, meaning internally allow distorted thought feeling or painful feeling and distorted thought and wrong belief, wrong view, mis misconception. Um, I hate myself. I'm terrible. I, I'm the best. No, it can't be. Everything is this. Everything is that. Blah, 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 blah. All these distorted views and their painful emotional um, allies to allow them to exhaust themselves in, in, an, in an environment of unconditional acceptance and self-care and then seeking understanding. Um, I don't think right restraint is needed. Uh, I think it's right, right love, wisdom, um, in, engagement, right love, wisdom, um, allowing. But certainly right restraint in speech and conduct is critical. But that's the only way to truly be human. The negatives are not truly human. <laughs> because they're willfully blocking the center of the seven, the, the heart center, that the the <clears throat> infinite love that enabled creation, right? The action of free will upon love gave rise to light. <clears throat> they're out of harmony with that, and that's why the left hand path is a path of psychopathology. It's a path of dukkha, psychopathology, um, avoidance, illusion. <clears throat> and they can go right ahead, and they offer a lot of catalyst for souls on the positive path. Thank you very much. But it's a path of dukkha and psychopathology, and you can't be a true man until you're really resonating with virtue. And, and, and that's heroic, and that's courageous, and that's uh, of the Tao and of the universal. That's Tao-de. De, or virtue, is Tao-de, and therefore there's no greatness without rightness. <clears throat> and and actually, that's only fully achieved at the level of higher self. So then, finally, 
or close to the end. Uh, by the way, looking at the PIE, Proto-Indo-European, which is uh, hypothesized, uh, <clears throat> uh, the root of the word mun, M-E-N, and I'm going to final end this with the wiktionary on the word man, M-A-N, but the hypothesized reconstruction of the PIE root mun has two meanings. One is to think or mind. The second is spiritual activity. Oh my God, Wiktionary can say that? That's amazing. I didn't know they had such consciousness. So, yeah, the root of the PIE hypothesized reconstructed root of the word mun or mind or man has the meanings of to think or mind and spiritual activity. To be a true human is to use the mind well. Uh, using the mind well is per se a spiritual activity because you can't use the mind well without six chakra. While we can say that the mind is of all the middle five, two, three, four, five, six, <clears throat> the, the central five chakras, two, three, four, five, six, uh, could be called con- chakras of consciousness. And first chakra is pre and seventh chakra is post consciousness. Consciousness means subjectivist awareness, uh, tanamanas, eight-fetter, ignorance-based awareness, which is not really awareness, but vijnana, or consciousness, born of ignorance, said Gautama, and at the end of the path, there's no more subjectivist consciousness. There is still awareness, but it's universal and non-separative and, you know, uh, beyond subjective-objective, beyond dual, non-dual, non-dual awareness, hey, hey. Same as Sati, Anapanasati, Sati in the train station, you know, Sati was the girl in Matrix 3, the little Indian girl, who was, um, in some sense, the pioneer for the New Age, the next uh, wave, the the next eon of Zion in the Matrix series was started by Sati. Sati, the little girl, means awareness, mindfulness, Anapanasati. So they know what they were doing. But um, going tracing tracing the word man back to mun, uh, which you can say it's pie, but it's uh, I, I'll stay with the Sanskrit because the Sanskrit root is manas or manasic. Yeah. So the root of being human is to rightly use mind. Animals cannot, and so don't be an animal. <clears throat> and so the right use of mind is a spiritual activity. It's not simply uh, love-wisdom or um, reception-transmission or intellect and intuition or manasic and buddhic or manas and buddhi. Yeah, you can say it's manas and buddhi, but it's under the, it's under the direction of Atman. It's, un, it's in the light. It's in the sky who's illuminated by Atman. Atman as the sun in the sky. The sky of Vijnana, the Hridayakash or the Chittakash, as Nityananda would say. Chitta Akash means Chittakash, Chittakaskita, the song of the mind sky. And mind in this case is, um, is the integration of the functions of mind, is the um, field in which multiple functions are integrated manas and buddhi, logic and intuition, left and right brain. Uh, receiving and sending, uh, stillness and activity, um, chit, uh, 
Chittakash is the field in which those functions operate. And when those functions are under, uh, are, are rightly, uh, rightly partaking of the power of Atman, which is logoic, right? It's a sub-sub-logos. Uh, then we have mind, uh, right use of mind as a spiritual activity. And so finally, from the Wikipedia or Wiktionary, right up on the word man in English, the first etymology, um, which of course they translate from, they go back to Middle English, Old English, Proto-West Germanic. Proto means they're putting it together on the fly. Proto-Germanic, Proto-Indo-European, man, back to man. Compare with men, M-E-N, mind. The root of being a human is rightly using mind. Human, and you see, it's very interesting, Wiktionary didn't do well with human. They, they didn't, I mean, they failed, <laughs> as far as I could tell, to give uh, a true etymology of the word human. They basically translated it back, to, uh, rooted it back to hummus, like uh, organic matter in the forest. Mm, not chickpea, but hummus uh, as the soil you know, basis. I don't think so. I think it's really something, I, I, somehow, or some new age type, said something like five man, fivefold man, fivefold um, mind, which is very much like the five middle chakras. That's how I like to think of it. But <clears throat> going further, the <clears throat> uh, various, what they call cognates, probably think politically because they don't want to trace back to a non-Western source. One of the cognates is Sanskrit, right? the, the etymology of the word man, which is manu, human being, and then they trace it to Hindi, which is very silly, or they, it's a, they don't trace it back, it's just a cognate, but they don't want to trace it back to Sanskrit, man, which gave rise to manas, which means thinking. And so, the, the true man is the one who can think rightly, and that thinking rightly it is a spiritual activity. And it's a spiritual activity because it's resonant with the light of higher self, which really means that um, buddhi is in play. It's the right use of mind includes buddhi, and buddhi as non-dual uh, discriminative awareness. It's basically knowing beyond personal sentiment, knowing beyond personal opinion, knowing that doesn't need thinking. Uh, discriminative awareness, seeing what is without a need to calculate and uh, and logically analyze, direct knowing, you know, like in the story of Nityananda, how it happened that there was some devotees in the crowd who um, ultimately um, was the last guy in the room after everybody left, um, and. At the same time, there were some other devotees coming to Nityananda associated with, I think, I forgot the story exactly, to marry their daughter. Uh, and it just turned out that the astrologicals for that guy who was the last man standing in the room of the devotees who all left, and the daughter of the couple who wanted to marry her and went to Nityananda for some help, uh, their astrological charts fit perfectly. <laughs> uh, that, how did that happen? 
<laughs> well, Nityananda participated and um, was able to do the basis for that from knowing that it was not monastic but buddhic. And that's the spiritual basis of the right use of mind. And so uh, tracing what it means to the word man back to manas or thinking or manasic, it's really man, man as thinking. Human is the thinker and animals can't do so, clearly. And um, they have some, but but much of, much of it is a projection from the human uh, the human uh, companion. And so, uh, to really know the golden rule, uh, or it's why 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 should we follow the golden rule? Why should there be empathy? What's what why why is it valuable to perform the golden rule at a very fundamental level? Um, without empathy, you're not a true human being. Without spiritual mind, without spiritual um, influence in your thinking, in your mental activity, you're not a human being. You you are in of some lower tendon, lower chakra blockages, right? Left hand path of psychopathology is all of lower triad blockage in this world. Um, you're partly an animal. If you're on the negative path, and you can see it in their faces, they're animalizing at the present, by the way, and they're also demonizing, self-demonizing, and accumulating a whole heck of a lot of astral um, possession at this time, the negatives. It can be seen as their faces change over the months. You'll see. It's not good for them. (laughs) So, whoever is listening, boys... um, (laughs) <laughs> know your know your path because you will continue after the body and after the world so anyway i think that um while we first examined the permutations and bases of the golden rule and then some of it, a, a, a nice humanistic present presentation of the psychological basis being empathy which is, it's really more than even psychological. It's one of the five Brahma-viharas, compassion, karuna, and mudita, sympathetic joy. And it, uh, I would trace it back to the sense of non-duality or the law of one that we all know um, in the deep mind, and the conscious mind gets to some degree. Uh, that's the basis of empathy, is the law of one. <laughs> And uh, being in harmony with that can lead us, um, certainly is the way of virtue. And the way of human virtue, although distorted and dualistic, uh, resonates with Tao or universal virtue, which is the rightness, the, the, the greatness of, of God, the greatness of, of, the, of Logos and Logoic principle. Atman is a sub-sub-Logos, you know. So that's the kingdom of heaven within. I mean, ultimately, um, the kingdom of heaven within is the reality that true nature is um, of the same substance as Godhead. We're not manifesting that fully. We have lots of work to do. But uh, true nature is of its source, which is the absolute, which is Godhead. There, only there, is uh, maximal um, uh, vir. Vir is... is, um, 
ultimately de, Chinese de, dao de, is really no different than the essence of vir, which is the essence of what it means to be human as well. And um, I think it's useful to look into all that. So, uh, at the risk of ending under an hour, well, ho, uh, I think that'll be it for the discussion of the Golden Rule and its moral bases, which ultimately becomes a metaphysical basis in terms of what a man, what human really is, and what mind ought to be, and how that resonates with um, true power and, and, and uh, divine virtue, or transpersonal virtue. And that's heroic. And Nichinanda would always say that, that, that only the one that, that seeks uh, moksha and liberation is a true man. Everyone else is sort of a faker, <laughs> or not living their high life, the best life. And, and, you know, okay, you know, you want to take a lower gradient ascent, that's fine, I do that too. But at least we should know where we're from and where we're going, and who we really are even if we're not fully living it. Um, you know, this is important. So, next time, I'm not sure what we'll do. Um, next week is the 23rd, then the 30th here. Uh, we'll have class. Uh, I may or may not do a lecture. Uh, but there'll be a couple more before the end of the year. So, in any case, I hope that was helpful. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope that uh, you got something useful for yourself from it all. Take good care of yourself. See you next time, and good night.